Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Courage in You podcast, where we talk about real and raw conversations about mental health. So this is a continuation of the series that I am doing with my sorority, which is Alpha Kappa Omicron. And I have two special guests for um, for us, which is two of my sisters, Camille and Carla. So I want to introduce both of them. So first, Camille, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, of course. Well, what's good, beautiful people? My name is Camille Kenga. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, at the age of 12, and I've come to realize that it's, it's a continuous journey that's always going to be a part of me. Um, my goal and my purpose that I've kind of found through all this is just to help people with their healing journey. So really grateful to be here with my sisters, to have this platform to talk about something that's really close to my heart. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And next, Carla, uh, please introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, like she said, my name's Carla. I'm 25. Yeah, 25. And um, my career actually doesn't revolve around like mental health or psychology. I'm actually super into like politics and like law and things like that. But the connection that I have to this issue is that it's impacted my family um, repeatedly since I was a kid and me being uh, the like kind of the decision maker of my family. Um, both my parents are immigrants and I'm the oldest of three sisters. So um, I feel like it's fallen a lot on my shoulders, um, a responsibility to keep myself educated and to keep um, my family members safe and to keep myself advocating for the things that I know that we need to talk about more. And so that's why I'm constantly engaging in things like our philanthropy and things like this podcast, because um, I, I firmly believe in this cause. Thank you so much for being here. And I really, really appreciate for both of you being here. So I'm going to talk about the topic of the day, which is suicide prevention and self-harm um, prevention and awareness. So I'm going to introduce my sister, Michelle to talk more about the program. Hello, I'm Michelle and I'm the service chairperson for this year for AKO. So suicide awareness and self-harm prevention is part of AKO's philanthropy. Our goal of this philanthropy is to spread awareness about suicide within our community and give space for those to share their stories as well as remind them to continue to keep going. Every year our sorority hosts an event called And So I Live, which gives our community a space to share their reasons for why they continue to live. And we create a visual displaying everyone's responses and it's a way to show anyone struggling with their mental health to see how much there is to live for. And we also provide information and facts surrounding suicide. And then along with that, our sorority supports the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, where we host fundraisers to collect donations as well as attend their Out of the Darkness Walk event. And now Carla, will, who created this philanthropy, will explain more about the history and more information about each. <clears throat> so... For um, the event that we started putting on annually, it's called And So I Lived. And uh, I, I started, I believe, in 2016. And I was, I was looking for something um, that I could do that I could put on surrounding this issue. And I discovered the To Write Love on Her Arms Foundation. And I read a little bit about their story. And there was one particular story that really stuck out to me um, about a woman who was like carving things into her arms, but she was carving um, words of like self-hatred and like just like insults, like derogatory terms, like negative things about yourself. And that's why uh, that foundation is called the To Write Love on Her Arms Foundation because what they aspire to do is inspire people to, to perceive themselves in a loving way and to do things with love and to do things with positivity instead of being so like hard and like derogatory on ourselves. And so 
I was super moved by that. And I wanted to do something similar. Um, at the time, one of my younger siblings was struggling a lot with um, anxiety, depression, self-harm, um, self-mutilation, things like that. And I genuinely just didn't know what to do about it. Like I, I wanted to guide her. I wanted to help her and I wanted to be there for her. But I just I really didn't know how. And it was such a taboo topic in my my household. My parents didn't really talk about it. None of my like aunts or uncles, they just kind of tried to brush it under the rug. And I, I could see how it impacted her. I could see how it was like steering her in the wrong direction. And I was like terrified of losing her. And so I, I said a lot of things that looking back on it, I had the really, really good intentions, but I probably shouldn't have said them. And same for my actions. And I just, the reason why I hold this event is, to, to help out other people who might be facing a similar situation, whether they be in my shoes and they don't know what to do and how to help others, they can come, they can get resources, they can get educated, they can see how they can help their loved one. And if it's somebody who's in my sister's shoes, then I hope that they can look at all of these reasons that other people chose to continue living and they, they identify themselves with that struggle and they feel less alone. So it's kind of um, my holistic approach to, to shining light on this issue, um, no matter how it impacts you personally. And it's a really good way for me to honor my sister. Um, it's just something good that I think came out of like all that struggle. Like um, even though it was hard at the time, like because of what happened and because we got through it every year um, for a week, other people get to get to experience this. Thank you so much for explaining. I think, I think it's really beautiful that you created this philanthropy, created this event because it's basically learning um, from other people. You know, I, I always talk about how it's really important to share your story because you never know how much you can inspire other people. So thank you so much for explaining it. And so we're gonna start talk, talking about the topic is why is suicide awareness important um, and what is it? So suicide awareness is important because we, like Carla said, is that suicide, suicide is kind of like a taboo. Um, especially for a lot of cultures. And a lot of people like are afraid to talk about it, about it or they have this misconception of it. And like the prevalence of suicide is like increasingly high. Like it's, it's increasing through generations. And it like really makes me sad to know that there's so many people who commit suicide and there's so many things that we could do, but it's hard to because we have this whole stigma. And to realize that like suicide awareness isn't basically ending suicide, but it is bringing to attention. It's giving a platform um, for people to educate themselves about how to prevent suicide, how to help people with suicide, how to, how to give people the opportunity to share their stories, to inspire to other people and to help people explain their pain um, in any way they can. So um, I'm gonna ask you two, why do you think suicide awareness is important? All right, uh, so why I think suicide awareness is important, it's because suicide awareness is critical intervention into a typically silent fight, right? Uh, suicide ideation and depression and feelings of self-harm, um, are typically come into flourishing because individuals feel so stuck, alone, isolated, and misunderstood in their feelings, right? 
So suicide awareness and self-harm prevention is a way to bring more uh, opinions and perspectives and insights to light that will typically get erased or forgotten. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. How about you, Carla? For me, I think that um, events like this and uh, suicide awareness and self-harm prevention is important because um, I think that there's a common misconception that uh, mental mental health struggles and uh, mental illness in general is like this dark, like sad, like soft, um, melancholic, like kind of thing. And they associate only certain characteristics with being a mental health struggle. And so a lot of a lot of times what ends up happening is that somebody is experiencing a mental health crisis or somebody is having a lot of really confusing emotions that they don't really know how to process and they're not they and they, they're aware that they're not reacting in an appropriate way but they just don't know what to call it and things like that like genuinely not knowing what it is can drive people like to such disparity and then you're in a situation where just, you just feel so desperate and lost and hopeless and so I think that um, these informationals are really, really good to have because they shine light on not just the, the type of mental health issues that are common and under, more and more understood, but also um, others that may not, may not come around as often, that may not be as understood, they may not be talked about as much because it validates them. It lets them feel like, or it, it, it is my hope that it, it makes them feel like their struggles are valid too, that this is that, and that just because they're not the the, the dictionary definition of a mental illness doesn't mean that, that that's not what it is yeah and it's true that like no matter if someone has a diagnosis of a mental illness or someone who's just simply struggling or someone who's like grieving anybody can can think about suicide and it's really important to remember that it's not it's more common than you, we know we think it is and it's really important to like see that I must be aware of it and what can I do for it? it? Because suicide awareness kind of helps people feel less alone. Just like Cameo said, that this is a way to help people. And it's, again, it's not ending suicide, but it's giving attention to it. And it's, and it's a kind of stopping the stigma around suicide suicide. And it's kind of stopping the stigma of like, we, sh we actually should talk about it. It's actually not a taboo. It's actually something that we should normally talk about because we lose so many people every day and it leaves families think to think about like, what, what could I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What, what can happen? Because there's a lot of people who lose their loved ones for suicide and they don't even know. So next we're gonna talk about why do people um, contemplate suicide or why do they self-harm? Um, and I know this question is a really, really hard topic to talk about. Um, and a lot of people don't wanna talk about it because people look at suicide awareness and think of the basics of it. But the part, a part of suicide awareness is to learn about the deep and depth things of it and to understand why do people, because why do people think about it or why do people self-harm? Because we have this huge misconception that People who commit suicide are weak or they're selfish or it's a selfish deed. And it's not it, it's not that at all. Like the biggest reason why why people 
who don't share that they're suicidal is because of this huge misconception that, oh, if I admit that I'm suicidal, people are going to think I'm weak. But we must change this, this misconception and say that if you, like, there's power in sharing your story. There's power in asking for help. And there's power to reaching out to people. So I want to ask you two, why do you think people self-harm and competent suicide? Um, for me, I think that the, the reason why people ponder it or the reason why people engage in um, self-harmful activities. And I also want to be mindful that self-harm is not always like, you know, like cutting yourself. Like it doesn't have to be that. Self-harm is like letting your spaces get ridiculously like unlivable, like the conditions, like letting it get super messy. Um, you stop brushing your teeth. You stop brushing your hair. You're not, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not feeding your body good things. Like you're engaging in self-destructive behavior. And um, when people do those things, I genuinely think that it's because they are having difficulty processing something, whether it be an emotion, whether it be an unresolved childhood trauma, whether it be um, stress that they happen to be undergoing at the time, um, they are not processing it. And it's, it's impacting how much they just genuinely care about themselves, how much they genuinely care about keeping up with the things that are good for them. And it's, it's that self-destructive behavior that I think a lot of the times when we do it, we don't even realize that this is what it is. Um, because like I said earlier, when you think self-harm, when you think self-destruction, like a lot of people's minds directly, like automatically deviate to, to self-mutilation. And that's all not always the case. Thank you. And yeah, I love that. Is that, yeah, we kind of have this perception of self-harm is only cutting yourself. Um, but it's much more than that, you know, we must, we must like educate ourselves that what, what self-harm could actually be in different circumstances. How about you, Elia? Um, <clears throat> so, after, so first I definitely want to name that everyone will have a different reason for why they contemplate suicide or why they engage in, um, self-harm activities and that the overgeneralization of being in being in that mindset is only going to be harmful to people struggling like we need to be open and understanding to everyone's story because everyone's story is unique um, in terms of why why my understanding my personal understanding of why people contemplate suicide is because of the lack of genuine care and understanding from the world around them, as well as the, the inability to kind of understand and navigate your emotions in a healthy way. And the reason why it kind of gets to that point, right, is because it's, it, it's a layered type of, of, of thinking. Like negative self-talk can trickle into so many things if you're not in the space to personally push back. So connecting that into what you said earlier on how there's a stigma that's a very selfish act to engage in suicide ideation or to attempt, um, or to attempt suicide, it, it ties into that individuals really think that if you are hurting, if you are in immense pain, if you are in a place where you can't uplift you can't find your own joy or just get through these issues, then that's on you. 
that has nothing to do with the circumstances that put you there, that has nothing to do with the harmful actions of others, that has nothing to do with your state of mind. It only, it like you, like get over it. You have to, you have to pick yourself back up. And it's narratives like that, that it doesn't, it doesn't help individuals to hear those, those type of things. It only affirms their, their perspective of life right now that see, people don't understand me. See, people aren't here for me. And again, I'm not putting the responsibility onto others, but I am saying that when we talk about why people may think of suicide or may think of self-harm, we really have to understand the contexts that put them there. And that's really, really important. I'm glad that you talked about it is because, you know, some people think it's like, oh, it's because they're sad about this. Oh, because this happened. Oh, because they're not generally happy with themselves. No, it's like people kind of think about like suicide and they don't even want to ask why. And sometimes asking why is really important for them. Sometimes you asking them why they think like this can help them because they have the opportunity to explain them. So they have the opportunity to help someone understand them. And for you, and if anyone here in the audience is like thinking about like how, what to do for a loved one or friend, it's if you just ask, it could help a lot. You know, it gives them the opportunity and like, it, it makes them feel like someone cares. And someone is willing to understand me and someone's willing to be educated. And that is something that, oh, maybe I could still live because some at least one person cares, at least one person asks. And I also do want to put to light is that some people who have suicide ideations and actually most people don't choose to be, you know, we always talk about depression, but we let's talk about people who have diagnosis, such as schizophrenia, um, bipolar, um, more in depression that sometimes, sometimes you can't control these voices. And sometimes some people's voices tell them to commit suicide, even, even if they don't want to. And it's a very complicated and thing to understand. But as long as you educate yourself, as long as you, ask them, maybe they'll tell you. And if you know anyone who, who does ha have this diagnosis and is contemplating suicide, you should still ask them and see if they can get help. So just like you both said that suicide, a, a suicide is different for everybody. So don't think one perception of why someone commits someone's going to self-harm or someone commit suicide because you never really really know what is going on in their head what is going on with their life what is the backstory of what's happening right now what like what are they doing for themselves because most people who complicate suicide or self-harm they spent months or even years fighting them themselves fighting their demons for it so if you if you know someone who is going through that try to make sure to ask them to educate yourself, to understand. And that's a really, really big part of suicide awareness mm -hmm. is that it's, it, is a, 
it is a lot to think about, but when you really care for someone, just asking and understanding is really, really a good, a simple thing. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that if someone close to you is brave enough to share a reason for why they're contemplating suicide, why they feel the need to self-harm, more likely than not, even though they're sharing that one reason, they have so many other reasons. And so just to be open to that and don't allow just that single um, moment of bravery to give you a sense of, oh, I now I fully understand your struggle because that's really not the case. Yeah. And to realize that if someone like even tells you one reason, that's that's something really strong of them. And to recognize, oh, thank you for sharing that for me. Let me be here. Let, let me help you the way like, how do you want me to help you? You know, like ask them, how do they want to help you? Or even if they say, oh, I don't know how you can help me. Something like you being there could help them. You asking just a just what how are you doing okay just spending a day with them just sitting with them in silence can help so I, so thank you thank you for that was a, amazing or can i share more about self-harm mm-hmm. okay for sure for sure for sure um so carla named it beautifully right that self-harm means more than um what people really jump towards and it's really and right? Like self-harm is directly to cutting. Um, And I think that's really important to name. And at the same time, I think it's also important to destigmatize those who think um, self-mutilation like is the way to go, right? And to really understand why people may may choose that that sort of harm. Um, I think mental health is a very layered experience that people tend to oversimplify. And For me, when I'm personally in a very, very low point and a dark place, it's almost a physiological feeling. Not like I'm not only thinking these thoughts and fighting with myself, but I'm also, my body feels heavy. My bot, the worst part is when my body feels numb, right? And that's where the idea for me personally, because I don't want to speak on anyone's, that is where the idea of self-harm or self-mutilation came to be, was at that point, I was fearing that I couldn't feel anything because I felt so much pain, I felt so much hurt. And so for me, making that choice was my way of not necessarily contemplating my life, but attempting to remind myself, like to get me out of shock that I can feel something. And I understand that is a very, I want to say like misdirection of my thoughts and actions, right? And at the time, that was really the only thing that brought me peace, that allowed me to breathe again, that allowed me to come back into my body. And I really want to name that if you are contemplating self-mutilation, or if you have been battling those thoughts for years in and out, you are so strong and you are so brave. And you can continue to learn on how to not directly engage in your own harm. Like you've experienced enough harm from the world 
you should not you should not take that on for yourself you shouldn't have to there are other ways to relieve your body of all of that pain and all of that sorrow thank you so much for showing um like vulnerability and thank you so much for sharing your story i think that's that's really beautiful to like hear and a perspective of someone um like you um to see if anyone in the audience can understand or can't like felt exactly what you're talking about so thank you okay and so now we're going to talk about so what are some behaviors and warnings you should look for for someone who is thinking about suicide or self-harm um so for me i would say some warning signs to look out for is like cries for help and it and like I talked about in the other podcast, uh, other episodes, cries for help isn't only someone who's crying in front of you. Sometimes someone just reaches out to you randomly, asking to hang out. Sometimes someone just, just like, keeps on wanting to talk to you or talking about like things that bother them, um, and that's gonna be a cries for help. It could be a friend or a family member joking about suicide, that could be a, a really big warning sign that even if it's just a joke, you know, a lot of jokes are, there's a hint of truth in there. Um, so that's some, so I, I could say, how about, how about y'all? Uh, I would say that, um, I think that some really good warning signs to look out for are a little bit more reflective of like your own behavior. Um, it's important to to look out for for everybody else, to look out for um, you know the people that you love, your your siblings, your friends, your your community. Um, I firmly believe in that, but I think that it's important to also look out for yourself. I think that it's important to watch watch for like sudden loss of interest in things that like you would usually enjoy. Um, a lot of the times, people or I, I'll. I'll just speak for, for my, me personally, right? So what I tend to do when I'm like hella, hella struggling and when like my mental health is not right is that like I'll take on more than I can chew. Um, I have a lot of like self-sabotaging tendencies. Like when I'm afraid of something, I'll just like, I'll like, I'll mess it up for myself. Like um, it's just something that like I've always struggled with. And so when when my mental health is starting to slip, um, I'll take like extra classes. Like there was one semester, I think I took like 24 units and like, that was like one of my worst like mental health semesters. I'll, I'll pick up extra hours. Like I'll look for other jobs. Like um, I'll, I'll just stack like all this work on top of myself. And that's like my own self-destruction. And like, um, it takes away the joy and like the things that I would usually enjoy. Like I started, I started hating school. I started hating work. I started hating like um, sleep. I felt super guilty for sleeping. And then it got to the point where like, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was tired all the time. I was zoning out all the time. Like I just, like, I wasn't, I wasn't present. And like, I just like that, that it's really, it really snowballed into like me, like losing a grip on like myself. And like, I, I, it got to the point where like, I was just so desperate for like a break. Like I just, I just wanted, um, I just wanted to sleep. Like I just wanted to turn my brain off for a little bit. Like I was I was taking like a ton of like sleeping pills and like, like thinking back on it now, like very clearly, like I was spiraling, like very clearly, like, um, like it was going like, it was, I was going south fast, but because like, I'm always so caught up and looking out for like other people and like looking out for my job, looking out for, for the organizations that I was a part of looking out for, for my sisters. Like I, I, I forgot to look out for myself and like, I genuinely like almost lost myself. 
So I think that it's important to look for warning signs in other people, but also look for them in yourself. Like pay attention to yourself, pay attention to your behavior. I love that. Thank you. And yes, that's really true because, you know, we we tend to focus so much on other people. You know, you want to help other people, but we have to realize that we must we must help ourselves too. You know, how can we help other people if you, we don't help ourselves? Yeah. Anything you say, Camille? Um, well, first, I really just want to, again, echo everything that Carla named, because I think it is always important to bring it back to ourselves and allow us that moment of caring for ourselves because we live in a world where we just got to keep going, we got to keep pushing. And it's really for the validation of other people um, so we, we need to bring it back to ourselves. So I really want to thank Carla for naming all that. And, you know, we can go, we, we, again, we can go down these lists of symptoms of, um, giving away porn possessions, find, sudden loss of interest in things that give you joy, um, continuously talk of like shame and guilt, um, acting anxious or agitated, increasing your, um, substance use in a tor in a form of codependency like we we can talk about all that but I think what it really comes down to is you caring for yourself and your community and I'm not I'm not talking about this like oversimplified form of care I'm talking about you understand the people around you so much to the point where if things do change, or if you do see a sign of someone's like depressed or in like in a really deep um, state of sadness, then you have the ability to see that for yourself and say, hey, this, this, this might be something else. Like, let's really check in. Let's, 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 let's name that, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this. Um, cause it really comes down to your own personal actions on whether you're going to support someone in times of need all at the same time. I also want to name, at least from my experience, the people who have taken their lives or the people who do, um, have suicide ideation are the ones you least expect, right? They're like, again, it's not this singular understanding, oh, someone's sad, they, they could be, they could be um, at risk, right? Um, I've personally, when I, when I did my first, um, when, I, when I did my first presentation, connecting mental health with leadership, I gave a picture of myself on stage, happy, enjoying my life, and I just posted that picture on Instagram, and three days later is when I engaged in self-harm and when suicide ideation really came about for me, just to really show you that sometimes you aren't gonna see the warning signs. You aren't gonna be able to tell that someone is in need that someone is in crisis. Yes, matching that with individuals who are struggling may not for whatever reason feel comfortable or safe asking for help but it's also to be mindful if you really care about those around you then you're checking in with them if they're typically hanging out with you and all of a sudden they like ghost you why is that 
right? Like, let's not go towards judgment. Let's question so we can better understand. I love that. I, lo I love the way you worded that. So yeah. I do want to ask for like for the audience with understanding and taking care of yourself and realize like I have I have these behaviors um what do you do um to live another day like when you're thinking about like suicide or self-harm like how how do you help yourself like what do you do for I, I think that um if I'm speaking generally I'm I would have to say that you should be mindful of like what you're doing. Like if you, if you're, if you can, if you have it in you to acknowledge that you're going through something and you're like, you become aware of it, then be mindful of like what it could do to you. Like be mindful of like how that impacts like your behaviors and everything. And if we're talking for me personally, like what I do when I, when I know that like I'm having like a bad mental health day is like, I try to be just like extremely mindful of like what I do because I'm so aware of like my own toxic tendencies. Like I know that like when I start um, doing something a little bit too much that, 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 that I know what kind of mental health space that I'm in, but that just comes from knowing myself like really, really well and knowing my behavior really, really well and knowing what to look for. So I just really encourage people to to take the time to just like be with themselves to like really really like reflect on how you are feeling like it's easy to to go about your day and just like mask it with like more work more 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 accomplishments and like it feels good like it makes it it, it gets you like the validation of everybody around you but how often like do you really listen to yourself and how often are you really aware of exactly where your mind's at and exactly where your feelings are like how often do you sit with yourself and you help yourself process those things like how often do you do you be that person that sits there with somebody else and helps them process their things? Like we all need time to just like exhale. Like we can't just like inhale, 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 inhale all the time. Yeah, I love that. And I, just to remember that like, you're not going to have all the answers, you know, and to remember to give yourself time whenever you need it to. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I feel like, like when I have like, I'm when my mental health is really, really bad, I tend to like, just like you said, I do a lot, I put a lot of things on my plate. And I feel like that's my coping mechanism is just to always stay busy. So I won't think about or feel everything else that's bothering me. And then I end up like having a breakdown. I end up like going, like not going insane, but like, like so, so caught up in everything that's going on and I just lose it. And one thing that I do is I let myself feel. Like if if I have so many things, I have work, I have this, I have this, I have this, and I cannot do it, I listen to my body. And I listen to myself and I'm all like, I cannot do it right now. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that you cannot do it. Just because you cannot do it right now doesn't mean that you're not going to do it later on. Like just recognize that I cannot do it right now. I need a break. I need to sit down and cry all day if I need to you know I need to like pay attention to what my mind and body is telling me and that's how I kind of help myself how about you Camille I love what both of you shared listening to your body bringing it back to you spending time with yourself because you know we live in a society where if you're not hustling then what are you doing right you're not of value to anyone if you're not 
doing work or helping someone out or helping the community when in actuality, like, because our society is like that, the most, the biggest thing you can do for yourself is take your time back, is sit with yourself, is reflect within yourself and really give your time, energy and care to your own fulfillment. Um, I would say for me, I want to say like pre-pandemic, um, I, I wasn't in a place where I personally could bring myself to go to therapy, but I luckily was in a place to share with individuals who cared about me so much that they walked with me to my counseling session. And from there, that's where I feel like I was able to really start to love myself again. And thus what I did because I was always a busy person, had a very long list of things to do, different activities and meetings to go to. What I was able to do was recognize, okay, well, I need dancing in my schedule. Like that's just a non-negotiable. And so having that type of stability and consistency in my schedule where this is just for me, this is where I get my emotional fulfillment, that really balanced myself out. Um, and I wanna say now in the pandemic, I think, you know, I'm always very mindful of, right, like finding the silver lining in things, because I really think that kind of narrative is, is uh, can be like destructive rather than beneficial. Um, but at least for me, kind of the new ways I found myself um, able to bring myself back to a joyous place is not being afraid of my feelings and my thoughts and to really engage back with those feelings and thoughts and try gaining understanding of myself, right? Like just echoing what Carla said about like that self-awareness. So if I am in a place where I need to take a step back from work, now I take it unapologetically. Where before it would be like, oh, now I'm not being that good person. I'm not being that right like employee. Like what are they gonna think about me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what matters at the end of the day is me and my peace. And that's really important. So a lot, so I've done a lot of shadow work and a lot of reflection of understanding how my past traumas continue to carry weight on me today. Um, and that really helps. Meditating has also been able to uh, increase my mindfulness um, and my ability to be, just be present in this moment. And um, I think at the end of the day, what really helps me is just reminding myself that if I love myself, then I'm never alone, right? Like we continue to seek this external validation and it's, it's true. We all deserve to feel loved, safe and secure in someone else's presence. Everyone deserves that. Like we're human beings, like connection is, is necessary. And all at the same time, if you're not, if you're, if you're not giving yourself that same care and energy, then like, what is the point, right? Like you are beautiful, you are powerful than any of those negative thoughts. So let's give time back to yourself, you know? I love that. And just for anyone who needs this right now is that 
it's time, you know, give yourself time, give yourself time to feel, give yourself time to figure everything out, give yourself time that you need unapologetically that, you know, like we tend to live life thinking that we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to finish this, we need to figure it out right now. You don't have to figure it out right now. You can wait, you can learn, you can be lost for a little bit, you know, but that doesn't mean you can't be found again. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that like we need to like, a lot of us need to learn um, and to realize that I know a lot of people can't handle their demons alone. So remember that people need people. There's nothing wrong with going to someone. There's nothing wrong with going to a therapist. There's nothing wrong to going to someone that you know will be there for you. Because yes, we should always be okay within ourselves, but to remember that if you really, really need someone, please do it. Because we have this, we have this perception in society that like we must be independent. I don't need no one. I don't trust no one. I don't like, like F everyone, like I'm gonna be by myself. But you have to realize in the darkest moments, sometimes we do need people. It doesn't mean you're gonna be dependent on them. Doesn't mean that you're gonna need them all the time. You just need someone. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And it's also knowing who you need. Yeah. Right. Because I think what what kept what kind of just affirmed. So I've because of the way I was raised, I didn't really develop that sense of I. It's okay to ask for help. Right. And because of that. Um, I keep it all in, I keep it to myself. And there have been times where I open up to the wrong people and that's gonna happen. Not everyone is perfect and not everyone is really for you. And that's okay. Not everyone is gonna understand and that's okay. Mm. And so that's why it's important to find your critical community of when you are in that dark place, okay, who is someone I know I can call and is not gonna judge me, is just gonna hear me. And, and, and like you said, oftentimes that helps. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for all that. And then next we're going to talk about, um, like since we talked about what we could do, what could we do for other people? Um, like if you, we see that a family or friend is struggling, what can we do? Because for me, I had a loved one who attempted, who talked, openly about it um and I just didn't know what to do you know I was a kid this is really this person is really important to me I didn't understand I didn't know what to do and this is why I think suicide awareness is so important to me is because like I didn't get a chance to do that when I was younger but now I do now I can help the people who need it now I can help my loved one who who went through it now I can spread awareness of that so what what do y'all think what do you think what um we could do for other people who are struggling or thinking or self-harm thinking of self-harm or anything what i think that we could do for other people who um 
have either opened up to you about um, the fact that this is how they feel that, or that you suspect that this is how they feel is to just be present um, to be, that's it. That, that's really all you have to do is be present. Like nobody expects you to have an answer. Like nobody expects you to be like a professional and to know what to do. There's no protocol. Everybody is different, but as long as you make yourself available to that person and you let yourself be an outlet to however it is that they they, they feel like they need like maybe they just need to feel like somebody cares about them maybe they just need to feel like somebody somebody's willing to hear them out maybe they just need to feel like somebody will miss them if they were gone that's all that they really need um you don't have to sit there and like be their therapist and like pry for like all of the the things that they might not even really want to talk about but just making yourself available and present is very often more than enough yeah, I think that, yeah, you said it like beautifully that if it's there's one thing, it's just being present. That can do so much for someone. And again, like you don't even have to say anything. You can just sit there with them in silence and that's enough too. More than enough too. Um, I wanna I want I wanna touch on a couple of things with this question. Uh, one, I also want to say that I think in terms of helping someone who is in high crisis, um, it's a balance between knowing your capacity of how much you can support them and knowing when they are in need of someone else or they are in need of a professional and being able to recognize that. Because I also want to name that it is not up it is not up to everyone to save another person's life, right? And I, and I think that's, that's what's like the growing narrative of people are like, you know, like, like ask your friends before you unload on them, ask if they're okay before you vent, which is like, yes, yes, let's be mindful because we don't wanna re-trigger people. We don't wanna add to anyone else's harm. And we have to meet that with recognizing if someone is really in need and is really con contemplating these, um, these actions, because at that point, yes, you may be protecting your own self, but to them, you're, you're just another person pushing them away. And so I, I really want to name that. Um, I also want to name that, yes, if someone is in pain and in need you really you need to be able to recognize what they need in that moment and like Carla said she listed all of the all of the ways that you can support someone uh, I mean as little as just being present just being there offering offering a hand and if someone is planning a suicide attempt then in those moments um, I refer back to QPR which is a suicide um, prevention training tool, which is question, persuade, and refer. And the reason why I say that is because if someone is already planning on the attempt, then they are at the point where they need intervention. They need critical intervention. And so when you are asking those questions at that point, if you really think that that's to the extent that they're at, then you need to be direct with them. Are you, planning to, are you planning to hurt yourself? Are you planning to hurt others? Have you already decided when you're gonna do this? Because it's, it goes back to right, like, like suicide is taboo. So you don't wanna ask those questions, but, and 
if someone is in need, you need to be able to identify that need in order to persuade them to get help. Um, but I also want to name that professional help is not always the best idea. I mean, the lack of cultural sensitivity can be one point, but we, that's a whole other topic. Um, but again, if someone is in high crisis, you need to be able to identify that need and be able to refer them to resources that are best going to fit them in their situation. I, th I think that's a really good, um, good thing that you're saying is that like a lot of people just don't know, just, just don't know how to help, just don't know how to do it. But uh, uh, one number one thing is to f figure out what what need they want, what the, what what they have, like what they actually really need. So thank you for sharing that. Um, lastly, I want to ask both of you, what is the biggest takeaway you want the audience um, to learn from you or to think about, um, or, or what meaningful message would you like to say to the audience that it, even if depending if they're contemplating suicide, depending if they're either if they're wanting to learn about suicide awareness or even if they're even thinking about it, what's something you would want to say to them? What's something that I would want to say to people who are thinking about becoming more educated on, on this topic? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I would honestly just say go for it. Like you can't, like you can't go wrong on keeping yourself educated. Like the more that we know about mental health the 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 more that we can destigmatize it the more that we can make it a common thing to talk about the better like the 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 easier that it'll be for people to to not feel like oh my god like i'm a i'm a one in a billion like like i'm, I'm such an anomaly like what's wrong with me like like why am i like this and more of like okay like this is a thing that happens sometimes like the um, the resources exist help exists um communities exist support system exists I feel like I didn't really talk about mental health or suicide or self-harm until I got to college, until I got to college in fall of 2013, which is the same semester that I rushed. And during, during my rush, like I would, I would always be like on my phone or always, I would always be like worried and I wouldn't really be that social. And like sisters picked up on it and like it just so happened that like at the time that I was rushing, like my sisters, like my sister had to be like, she had to go to like a facility like twice. And it was like, it was really hard for me to like try to, to, to pursue college, try to pursue like um, like my own life, try to start discovering like who I am. And I just like, like I have to, I have to be there for my sister. And it wasn't until I started becoming affiliated with the sorority that like more people were willing to have that conversation with me. Like my big was service chair at the time. My pledge mom, like she always talked about like how it impacted her life. Like, um, just more people around me were talking about it and honestly like if it weren't for like for those conversations if it weren't for those people um sharing with me that like it wasn't this like anomaly that I wasn't like like I wasn't doing anything wrong I just didn't know what I was doing and for for them to teach me the things that they taught me and for me to be able to apply it to my family like it, it just means so much to me and so the more educated that I can make other people, the more, the more that I can have these conversations. Like if I feel like I do for somebody, like at least one person, what like those sisters did for me, like, like I'm good. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. How about you, Camille? Just clarifying. Is this, is it like 
what we're saying to those who want to get more educated and then like another one it'll be a like a message to someone hurting or is this that it could it's it's, it could be both it's like because you know people in the audience are like in variety there's there's some people in the audience that like need this message some people in the audience just want to be aware it depends what what message you want to take any because the audience is kind of like big it's not only one okay 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 um all right so for those who are interested on becoming more educated about this topic um yes like learn learn the warning signs learn the statistics learn the intervention strategies and apply those teachings to your own healing as well as your healing strategies that you give when you connect to another person and I would say the next step beyond that is to really deep texts that make these statistics true, right? Like look into why there is such a high rate of trans lives attempting suicide. Look into why non-binary youth are at a higher percentage of contemplating suicide than others. Look at how um, people experiencing homelessness or people with a uh, codependency to substance substances like how those how those areas of life are more inclined to have this issue put on them and I, and I say that because again like this isn't just a a, a simple situation to be in like there it, it's it, requi- it requires an understanding of the depth that really gets people into there. Um, and then I do wanna say a message to those who may be hurting. And, and this is my message to you. You are beautiful and strong beyond any reasonable doubt. I wanna validate every single feeling that you are carrying right now because I know it's layered and I know you're not showing all of that pain to really anyone. And I know how tiring it is to be strong. And there are so many people rooting for you that you may not have met yet. There are so many different resources that really wanna give you the care and support that you are looking for. And if you need help finding that right now, and I know when you've asked for help, you've run into more problems than solutions, but please ask for help one more time to someone you really trust and someone who really carries that capacity to help you and refer you to resources that are gonna help you through this because you are not alone and you are oh so loved. And if you need anyone, there are three beautiful people in this podcast to hit up. Thank you so much. And that's beautiful. And my message is that if you really needed something to, like if you really need something, if you needed that one sign that you should live another day, let this be one of them. That remember that you are not alone, that you are deserving to be in this world and you, you are very loved by the people around you and the people that you will meet in the future. 
And I'm gonna end asking the audience is, what is the one reason why you continue to live another day? And I want you to think about that reason. Let that empower you. Let that motivate you. And let that one reason be the reason why you live continuous days. Because you deserve to be here. So that is the end of my podcast. Thank you for listening. We encourage you.